0: Revelation chapter number 20 Obviously with Christmas and a missionary now and then we've had a few disruptions But we're marching through uh, things to come And we've made it through the seven years tribulation And the battle of Armageddon And now we are going to look at the millennial kingdom The word millennium is a Latin word that simply means thousand years. And uh, there are many, many things about the millennial kingdom that we can't know for certain. But uh, the Bible does lay out for us truth so we can get a bit of uh, understanding and anticipation for in the Lord's timing that it would come. So in our last uh, lesson couple of weeks ago, we saw how Christ will be returning from heaven with his saints to the Mount of Olives. He will enter into a battle royal with Antichrist and these foreign nations. It will be a uh, horrendous battle, the Battle of Armageddon. And yet uh, we know because the Bible is true Uh, The Lord and his army will reign victorious. And then he will establish uh, what we know of as the millennial kingdom. So you have your finger in Revelation chapter 20. I'll keep it there. But turn back to the book of Isaiah chapter number two. Because the majority of what we know about the millennial kingdom is given to us in Old Testament prophecy. So I'm gonna read just a couple of uh, brief passages here from Isaiah, and then we'll go to Revelation chapter 20. Isaiah chapter two, and verse number four. Isaiah two, four says, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. So once the battle of Armageddon ends, there's no more need for weapons of warfare. And those weapons will be turned into farming and building implements. Then turn forward to Isaiah chapter 11. I'll begin reading in verse number four. Revelation 11 verse number four. The Bible says, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth He shall smite the earth with a rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down, and the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed the, uh, their young ones, uh, shall feed their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What a phenomenal day that will be. uh, As the Bible is describing how the very nature of God's creation will be changed. Now look at Revelation chapter 20. I'll begin in verse number one. The Bible says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit And a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, uh, devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till a thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the, the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So Christ will come conquer, win the victory at the battle of Armageddon and will establish his millennial reign. And all the book of Revelation says about that millennial reign is found here in verses 4, 5, and 6 of Revelation chapter 20. But basically, uh, when Christ returns... Uh, All believers in heaven will return to the earth with him in in the heavenly Jerusalem that John saw coming down out of heaven. And uh, these glorified saints will rule and reign with Christ during the millennium. If you're born again, you're raptured out or you're taken out uh, in, in that time, the church age, you'll be in that number. All be in that number and will rule the growing repopulating of the earth that will develop through the thousand years. And, you know, you can imagine Canada's well, we're just over 250 years old. So, so this is going to be uh, four times the history, of approximately, of the United States and Canada. Uh, and, and in that period of time, there's going to be repopulation of the earth. Because remember, the, so many, such a huge percentage of the population, will die in the tribulation. For that thousand years, Satan will be absent and his influence will be absent his deceiving will be absent but at the end of the thousand years verse 7 he'll be loose for a brief period and then we go into what is known at uh, as uh, eternity proper so really just two things that I want to share with you tonight number one is that Christ will establish this kingdom after the victory of Armageddon and he does that By uh, first of all, binding Satan and casting him, verse 3, into this bottomless pit for a thousand years. So the victory at Armageddon takes place. Christ uh, establishes himself on the throne of David. And uh, we enter into this thousand years. Uh, We really can't imagine what it's going to be like on this earth apart from taking the word of God at face value because it will be nothing like any time in history has ever been. Jesus Christ will be Lord. He will rule. He is Lord now, but he will rule in a righteous rule and all the nations of the world shall submit unto him. So verses one through three tell us How Satan will be bound for these thousand years. Uh, And his influence that is present on this earth today and has been since the Garden of Eden will continue. Now, if you keep your finger here, turn back to Isaiah chapter 14. Because in Isaiah chapter 14, we're told about Lucifer's rebellion. And this thousand years in the bottomless pit is prophesied in Isaiah chapter fourteen. If, if you, we were to read the whole chapter, you would you would uh, hear the pride and and Lucifer rising up uh, from God, uh, about, trying to rise up above God. But notice, I'll just begin down in verse. Number 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Notice God's response, verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. The the word translated pit or bottomless pit is the root of our English word uh, abyss. It has the idea of uh, there being sides, uh, but no top, no bottom. There's been some conjecture where this is, what it is, how that happens. But uh, if you've ever had a dream that you were falling and you woke up suddenly, uh, I think that's what it's talking about. That sensation, that discomfort, that, that terror uh, gripping those who are there. But understand this bottomless pit is only a temporary place for Satan to be deposited for a thousand years. He'll be confined there. He'll be restricted there. He won't have the freedom to influence for a thousand years and Christ will reign. So Satan is bound, first of all. But secondly, during this thousand years, believers will serve the Lord. Look at verse number four of Revelation chapter 20 So while Satan is removed and Christ is establishing his kingdom, uh, the Bible is teaching here that the Lord rewards those who have stood for him faithfully with positions of authority. It says they will judge, they will be on thrones, etc. So this speaks of those in the tribulation who were martyred for their faith. I, I personally would suggest That it includes all those throughout history who have stood for Christ and faced whatever persecution and uh, judgment. And they were given, based on their faithfulness, places of service. Again, keep your finger here. Turn back to the book of Daniel chapter 7. Of course, Daniel is uh, the Old Testament Parallel to the book of the Revelation. I want you to notice three times in Daniel chapter 7 how he references the fact that believers will serve the Lord. Uh, Let's begin down in verse number 18, Daniel 7, verse 18. Well, verse 17, these great beasts, which are four or four kings, which shall rise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Go down to verse number 22. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom on down to verse number 27 and the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the most high whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him hitherto is the end of the matter as for me Daniel my cogitations much troubled me and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Here three times in Daniel chapter seven, it speaks how the saints shall rule in the kingdom forever. So three things happen as Christ establishes his kingdom. Three main areas. One, Satan is confined. The saints are established to serve And thirdly, we see the blessing of our salvation. Look at verse five. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. That phrase at the beginning of verse number five, the rest of the dead, is referencing those who are unsaved. Now everyone who enters into the millennial reign will be saved, but children will be born generation after generation, generation after generation. Some will accept, some will not. So there will be unsaved at that time. But what he's talking about the first resurrection The first resurrection has a few phases to it. For example, uh, when Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again. In that period of time, the Bible talks about him setting captivity captive. Who's he talking about? Talking about the Old Testament saints who had been in the good side of paradise. Remember the, the story of Lazarus and the rich man? Lazarus died He was in paradise, uh, paradise. a rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes being in torment. He could see into paradise. It's also called Abraham's bosom. So Christ, some people say Christ went to hell and suffered our judgment. That's absolutely not true. What Christ did, he went and took the Old Testament saints and took them up to heaven. So the good side of paradise was emptied out and has been empty ever since. The old side, uh, the the judgment side is where the dead go today uh, until the great white throne judgment. In three or four weeks, we'll have a lesson on that. When they will be called forth, judged for uh, their their lives, what they did, and just like believers will get rewards in heaven, the, the, the sinful dead will be greater judgment in hell and they'll be cast into their eternal judgment. But anyway, so that's the first phase of this resurrection. The Old Testament saints were taken to heaven at that time. The second phase is yet to come. That's the rapture of the church. These are church age believers who from uh, the death, burial and resurrection of Christ from that time until Jesus, 1 Thessalonians 4, the rapture takes place. We are brought out. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall caught up together. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The third phase, we don't know exactly when it is, but we know it happens when those who uh, believers died during the tribulation time are taken to heaven. The reason we know uh, it, uh, that it happens is when Christ comes to the Mount of Olives or the Battle of Armageddon, All believers up to that point are with him. So the first resurrection is in three phases. And as a child of God, I know that I will be part of that group that will be with the Lord at that time and a part of his kingdom. So that's Christ establishing his kingdom. But the question we normally have is, what's it going to be like? What's, what's the character of that kingdom going to be like? What, what are the, what's the environment going to be like? How is this all going to play out? Well, I can't answer all those questions, but let me just give you sort of a, uh, a flyover uh, idea of some of the things the Bible tells us specifically about that kingdom. Uh, we know that Jerusalem will be established as the capital of the world Uh, And Israel will be ruling. We know the temple will be rebuilt. This is the fourth temple now and it'll be much larger and grander than any temple that has been built so far. Think about this. There'll be no prisons, no hospitals, no mental institutions, no armies, no casinos or any uh, unsavory place. None of that is needful in the millennial reign. We read in Isaiah chapter 11 how the lion and the lamb as well as the wolf and the calf, the cow and the beast will all be together. So the the whole issue of carnivores uh, eating up the herbivores and all of that. That, that will all be changed and children playing with scorpions and snakes, no harm. That, that's a bit of a change, right? Uh, sin will be swiftly judged and certain judgment because a righteous judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be ruling and reigning for a thousand years and uh, it will be just beyond our ability to understand. So I'm gonna give you, I don't know, 10 or 12, whatever I can do quickly, descriptions of this millennial kingdom. The Bible says it will be a kingdom of peace. I read Isaiah two to you earlier, verses three to five. Micah chapter four, verse three says, and he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. The world will enjoy peace between nations so that instruments of war will be unnecessary. There won't be just detente. There won't just be peace agreements. There won't be any kind of uh, nuclear arms management between nations, though that's all will be gone. It will be a time of peace. It'll be a time of the Lord's perfect rule and justice. His, His rule is described as a rule of righteousness. Isaiah 60 verse 21 a rule of holiness, Isaiah chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, and a rule of truth. Righteousness, holiness, and truth will be the order of the day. Isaiah 9, 7 says, to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth, even forever. The removal of the physical curse of sin I already said there will be no more uh, animals eating animals. There will be no more curse on the ground. Agriculture will prosper like never before. Isaiah 35 6 says for in the wilderness shall waters break out and the streams in the desert. Ezekiel 36, 35, and they shall say, the land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. It, the curse of sin is removed in the fact that there be no more disease, no more physical deformity. You know, there's sometimes you hear of someone, uh, oh man, they were just diagnosed with And whatever your uh, most fearsome disease might be, that will never happen. You'll never get a call. Like I received from my sister, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's or I've been diagnosed with uh, this or that. It it won't happen. Isaiah 35, verse five. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart and the tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert. So, it'll be a time of peace. It'll be a rule of justice, perfect rule of justice. A removal of the physical curse of sin that came on the world at uh, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Number four, long life will be uh, restored. It'll be reverted back to the similar conditions prior to the flood, when there there was a water canopy. I'm not saying, the Bible doesn't say there's gonna be a water canopy reestablished, but the lifespan of humanity will be extended like it was then, Isaiah 65 verse 20. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days, For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. So long life is restored. Number five, family life will continue. There'll be marriage, there'll be children born, as I said. There'll be multiple generations through uh, the years and there will be a need for those to be saved. Uh, Jeremiah 30, verse 20, their children also shall be as aforetime their congregation shall be established before me, and I will punish all that oppress them. I read uh, uh, Isaiah eleven six 6 earlier when it said, The young, uh, the child shall lead them. Well, if there are no children born, there won't be any child to lead them. Uh, number six, there will be a unified language, similar to Babel, only then, rather than used to glorify man, it will be used to sing praise and glorify God. Zephaniah 3.9 For then will I turn to the people a pure language that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. We can debate what language that is, but the Bible doesn't say. It just says it'll be a pure language, a unified language. And as a result, there will be unified worship. Zechariah chapter 8 verse 22 Yea, many people in strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and shall pray before the Lord. Uh, Number seven or eight, whatever it is, the presence of God will be central and will be obviously recognized. Ezekiel 37, 28 says, and the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forever work will never be frustrating it'll be profitable and successful because the curse of the ground is removed and we uh, will it doesn't mean we won't be working but we won't have the frustrations of work men will enjoy their work and no work will seem tedious or meaningless it'll all have that satisfaction level that God intended it to have before Adam and Eve sinned Isaiah sixty five twenty three they shall not labor in vain or bring forth for trouble for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Next it will be a time of comfort. Uh, The prophet declared God's word Isaiah 40 verse 1 comfort ye, comfort ye my people saith the Lord. Think about the nation of Israel which will have been persecuted Uh, without mercy uh, during the tribulation will be a nation that is comforted with great abundance by their uh, great God during that time. It'll be a time of us understanding more what God is doing and what he's saying. I, I would put it akin to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, on the day of Christ's resurrection. Isaiah 2 verse 3 says, And many, shall, many people shall go and say, Come ye, and let us go up to the mount of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he, shall, he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. We'll have an understanding like we've never had before. We'll be able to grasp what God is doing. We'll be able to see his hand in our lives. And it'll be a time of great evangelism, a great missionary outreach of these succeeding generations who need to come to know the Lord. Isaiah 66, verse 19. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. Now, I know that's rather... uh, quick and sort of an overview but my point was this you know, sometimes we think what on earth is this going to be like I'm a little nervous about it. a little afraid of it understand folks that when the Lord establishes his reign he knows you know he is the omniscient one he doesn't need to figure it out he knows the perfect way to rule and reign and this earth will be uh, ruled in a perfect way And as God's children, we will have the opportunity to serve him and and glorify him and enjoy this earth as he created it to be before uh, the Garden of Eden. Uh, And yet we've not been able to enjoy it to that level because Adam and Eve sinned and the curse of sin was placed on this earth. And and so rather than uh, people fighting against one another and trying to overcome one another and trying to put other, it'll be a unification of worship of the true God. Uh, there, there won't be the plurality of religions confusing and bringing darkness, but rather there will be the truth of the king in Jerusalem, ruling from the throne of David, and we will worship him in fullness and in truth. What a day that will be. What a day. Uh, you, know, you know, there's never will be a cause of fear. You think of things people are afraid of. Physical harm, disease, you know, there, big things, war, environmental crises. Our God will have that all under control. None of that will be going on. And, and so uh, for, for a child of God, You know what a wonderful thing to have just the influence of Satan removed and to taken away, the battles that you have with this flesh taken away so that you can be all that God made you to be. And I can be all God made me to be in that day. So as we move forward, our study next week will be: what is that time when Satan is released? What is that brief period of time all about? The great White Throne Judgment. Uh, I've got a lesson that I've sort of s- sketched out because the unsaved are cast into hell, so let's consider what is hell going to be like. But then what is heaven going to be like? And we've got four or five more lessons here looking at these, these events yet to come. Now the truth is, I've told you before, Uh, Prophecy is something I study because I'm supposed to teach and preach the full counsel of God. But I've never been a person that I allowed the future to cause me to fear today. I can't do anything about when the Lord's going to return. I can just be ready for that day. The the millennial reign, of I, I get to be a part of it. And it's going to be cool to see how, what all God's going to do and how different it's going to be from anything we've ever experienced. But I have nothing uh, that I can do about that day, but I can live today for the Lord that my life count. And so my prayer is that as we have these studies, that we would allow it to stir in our hearts. You know what? We don't know how long we have, so let's, let's live them for the Lord. And one day we'll be with him and serving him For all eternity. Let's pray together. Father, I do pray that you would take these lessons and challenge our hearts so that we understand we have a responsibility today. We can get so distracted by things that we have no control over that we miss the opportunities we have to live for you now. So I pray that in a right way, we would be balanced in truth. We would allow your word to speak to our hearts and we would be motivated to live for you today. Lord, you know our hearts. We, we allow things to distract us. Uh, we can become discouraged by circumstances and yet help us to look forward to the day when we're with you forever. What a day that will be. Again, Lord, I pray for those in our church family struggling with physical issues, others with challenges that they're wondering what your plan is and uh, is they're seeking you, Lord, I pray that they would be able to testify how your grace truly is sufficient. Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray. For it's in your name we ask it, amen.